Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Coming to the last psalm in our series on the Psalms of the Sons of Korah. And this is a psalm of very, very different mood to what we read last week. Psalm 88. It's page 494. If you've got one of the large print, the blue ones, that's 585. Let's come to God's words. Together, this is a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Leonoth, a masculine of Hemin the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to shale. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hands. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. I'm shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. You work wonders for the dead. Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me, afflicted and close to death from my youth up? I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Amen. Uh, Do please have Psalm 88 open in front of you. Now one of the the worst feelings is, is, is one of feeling we're alone, isn't it? Like when you're a kid in a big shop or, or out at the busy park and suddenly you can't see your parents. They're not in front of you, they're not behind you. 
And it's that, that sudden fear, that, that sudden horror of being alone. Have they left without me? It's an awful sinking feeling. Perhaps you've though known it deeper than that. Perhaps as a, as a parent or a spouse really did leave you. Or perhaps in grief as a loved one has died. And their silence is deafening. It's heart-wrenching. It's like a, a deep stabbing pain inside. Alone. It's a place of darkness, of pain, of confusion. And those feelings can, can both cause and, and open up a, also a window into a deep experience. One of feeling that God has left us. That God has cast us away, hidden himself from me. Whether that feeling has been caused by, by others abandoning us or just because of life's difficulties and pain, life can just feel like God is nowhere to be seen. We thought he was, he was there by our sides and yet we, we look around and we feel deeply alone. He's gone off, he's forgotten about us. And it's in that kind of experience that we start to enter into Psalm 88. As we read it, perhaps you noticed it's a psalm of raw emotion and pain. And this evening we're going to step into those dark waters. For some of us it will be opening up something you're less familiar with. And for some of us, perhaps it might put words to what you're feeling right now. But we need this psalm. God's given it to us. Because in those dark moments when we feel God isn't there, what do we do? If we're going to pray, how do we pray? So what we're going to do, we're just going to first open up this psalm, spend a bit of time just seeing how the psalmist, this, this man called Heman, how he, he, he speaks of what's going on and what's in his experience. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see how we enter in this psalm by shining it through Jesus Christ and his cross and letting that help us. So let's get into this, this prayer. And it's, it's a prayer of lament. Heman, he laments his pain. He laments his pain. He, he lays out before God the truth, doesn't he? He, he? he lays out before him all that he's going through. He's owning it, saying what is really there. It's not hidden. He doesn't sweep it under the carpet, but instead he cries out. It's like he's saying, look God, look at this. Wherever you are, this is what my life is like at the moment. And it's one of deep distress. Verse 3, for my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to Sheol. Sheol's the place of the dead. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on in his life at this point. Is it illness? Is it exile? Is it persecution? But whatever it is, he is closing in on death. Verse 4, he's going down to the pit. He can, he can see his coffin ahead of him, slowly being lowered into the dark depths. Verse 4, his, his body has no strength. It's, it's been sapped of all life. He's like a withering leaf, like a, a starved animal falling to its knees as it gasps its last breath. Verse 5, he, he surveys slain carcasses scattered on the battlefield and he, he sees his own face staring back at him. It's as if the grim reaper is knocking at the door. And this is the last step in a life of hardship. In verse 15 he says, afflicted and, and close to death from my youth up. 
He's been suffering for years. And it's not just the fact that he closes in on death. It's that he does it alone. There are no friends beside him. Verse 8, you've caused my companions to shun me. Then again in verse 18, you've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. He's alone. He's like a, a small fishing boat cast adrift into the endless miles of ocean without help in sight. And as death knocks, so inside he's in turmoil. His soul is full of troubles. He's in despair. He feels utterly helpless. This is an experience of deep distress. And that's because not only is he staring death in the face, it's all wrapped up in a spiritual darkness, a feeling of being totally abandoned by God. As he lays out to God all that's gone on, suddenly in the middle of verse 5, he turns a corner and he starts to, to put before the judge his accusation. We're not just in the counseling room with Heman, where, where Heman's just saying uh, what, what's gone on in his life. No, this is actually a courtroom. Heman is, is filing a lawsuit against God himself. Rather than just speaking of I, he says, you. Verse 5, like those whom you remember no more, for they're cut off from your hand. Then verse 6, he says it straight. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. He then comes back to it again in verse 16. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. This is a man experiencing the heavy hand of God's He's experiencing God's judgment, God's wrath at his sin. Uh, Whatever's going on in his life, Heman knows it's coming from God. All, All that's wrong in our world, he knows, stretches back to our sin and God's curse. And in in the life of Israel, they knew that especially as they, they faced exile and drought and sickness as judgments on their sin, on their rejection of him. So they saw God's wrath displayed against them. Heman's life is spiraling out of control. It's a life of misery, of loneliness and pain. It's a life of deep distress and of spiritual darkness. This isn't just pain on the outside. This is pain on the inside. There's no respite. There's no drop of cooling water in the heat. No heavenly comfort from God. Instead, he's tasting his bitter wrath. Not surprisingly, this comes out in frustration. Verses 10 to 12, he starts asking questions of God. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness to Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Now, this, this isn't speaking of the, the, the dead in heaven or experience of the new creation. Don't miss the poetry here. This is, this is an outburst knowing that God is the God of the living. This is knowing that without resurrection, the grave is a place of silence. He's shouting out these questions, uh, knowing full well the answer. It's no. Of course those shut in the grave don't praise Of course God doesn't do good to those who are dead. Of course no one knows God's righteousness in the silence of darkness. So he's trying to persuade God to act. God, if you're most glorified when you're praised and known, if if the best thing for us is that we praise and know you, then 
And how can you let me die? This is making no sense to him. It doesn't fit. How can God let him die if it, if it makes a mockery of God and of him? It's, it's deep distress, spiritual darkness and frustration, and he pours his heart out to God. And then to cap it all off, there's silence. Verse 14, O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Verse 9, every day I call upon you. He's been praying again and again, but getting nothing in return. And this psalm ends with darkness. Verse 18, my companions have become darkness. What once might have been friendship and comforting words from those who love him, is now empty darkness, silence, cold emptiness, and In the face of his deep distress, his spiritual darkness and frustration, he's met with silence. And Heman laments his pain. He lays it all out before God. But there's one more thing we need to see about this prayer. Heman not only laments his pain, but he keeps on praying. Did you see that? He keeps on praying. Verse 1, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. In the middle of the psalm, verse 9, Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Then verse 13, But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Heman keeps on praying. He keeps coming to God's. Coming to him, yes, with his complaint, his lament, his case against God. But he's also coming in faith. He's coming knowing which God he's speaking to. Did you see every time he addresses God by his name, he calls him the Lord. Yahweh, the the, the covenant-keeping God. He calls him God of my salvation. In In the midst of the pain, he reaches out to his God. To his God. The God of promises. The God who saves who has saved, who will save. In in verses 10 to 12, he gives more of what he knows of this God. He knows he's a God who does do wonders. He knows he's a God worthy of praise, a God who loves steadfastly, a God who's faithful, a God who's righteous. Even in the pain, he holds on to who God is and what he's done. And said he will do. This, This is not a letter of resignation to fate. This is not a poem of hopelessness. No, it's a prayer of faith. Even in the storm, even as the rain keeps falling and falling and the wind keeps howling, he he resolutely keeps crying out because he knows who he cries out to. He doesn't return silence for silence. Instead, as he's met with silence, so he presses into God all the more. He laments his pain and he keeps on praying. It's an an intense prayer we're reaching into, isn't it? Now to to help us sing along with Heman, we need to to look across this psalm. We're going to look across it with our eyes on three horizons. Three horizons of darkness that will will lead us in singing this psalm. 
First, a horizon, a close one of real darkness. Then we'll see that this is Christ's darkness. And thirdly, this is the church's darkness. So firstly, this is real darkness. Because as we read this, for some of us, it may just, it may just feel a bit over the top. You know, especially to us British, we, we can often be a culture in which we, we don't show such emotion. You know, we grieve, but we grieve in silence, not in, you know, like sackcloth and ashes like we saw this morning. You know, we, we might cry, but not by day and night. Things might be bad, but we'd, we'd never say, I'm, I'm shut in so that I can never escape. So as we come to a psalm like this, it, it can all just feel a bit extreme. But we've got to realize this is real darkness. These are true words. This was a real experience for a real person, a guy called Heman the Ezraite. We even know his name. We don't know his exact situation. As we, we said earlier, was it illness or exile or persecution? But whatever it was, it was real. And this has been sung, this song, over thousands and thousands of years by many, many more. It's resonated deeply with the experiences of people, this this clash of an experience of deep darkness and distress and yet believing there's a God who hears. It's a real darkness. If you've never felt this, it's a good thing, but many people have. Even if the words feel alien for some of you, you might resonate with the mood of the psalm. You felt something like this. It's real. But before we get into our own singing of this, as we realize it's a real experience, we must let this psalm flow to us through the person of Jesus Christ. This is, this is God's word and all of it points to Jesus. So we must, we must never remove it from him and just apply it straight to us. It's not just real darkness, but this is Christ's darkness. It's Christ's darkness. In his, in his poem of the suffering servant, Isaiah said this, the servant. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. As Jesus Christ moved through life and towards his death on the cross, he experienced and, and bore the depths of human sorrows. Remember what he said to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. As he cries out in that garden, surely Psalm 88 begins to, to give a window into what he faced. Oh, he faced a deep distress, didn't he? He was, he was heading towards death itself, a man to be lain in a grave. And he was doing it alone. His friends couldn't pray with him. They then fled from him, disowned him. More than that, Christ went towards and even experienced the wrath of God like no other. He drank the cups of God's wrath right down to its bitter dregs. As the, the sky darkened over his body, strung up on that wooden cross, so he experienced the darkness of God's rejection. The, the waves of God's anger at human sin overwhelmed him. The dreadful assaults destroyed him. And this he did for us. The Son of God, 
somehow not, not ceasing to be the beloved Son of God. He's not, we're not splitting the Trinity or ceasing to be God, but somehow in his human nature, he fully experienced God's wrath for us as we read in Psalm 88. Here we're shrouded in, in the mysteries of the depths of what happened on that cross. John T. Rhodes uh, sketches it helpfully uh, in a book of his. He said this, he says, Because of his love for us, the Father, clasping hands with Christ, lowered him into the pit of darkness. Christ, out of love for us, never lost his grip on his Father, but consented to be lowered such that he would suffer the full weight of the curse including losing sight of the smiling face of his father. Psalm 88, it's Christ's darkness. In the midst of it all, he kept praying, didn't he? He was on his knees deep in prayer in the garden. Then even on the cross, he calls out to God, using similar words to Psalm 88, but Psalm 22, my God, my God. But in the darkness of the cross, it's, it's as if he, he sung the depths of Psalm 88. And he sung it for us. He sung this so that we might never have to sing it like that. He faced the extraordinary depths of God's wrath so that we never have to. Because Jesus was abandoned, God will never fully abandon his people. Because he faced uh, God's wrath for our sin, God accepts us as his children, forgiven, loved and saved. Because he was laid in the grave, God will not leave us in ours forever. Because his was a life full of troubles, one day God will remove all of ours. God's wrath will never sweep over us like it did him. If you want to know God, it's got to be through Jesus Christ because only he has made the way possible. Only he has dealt with our sin and the punishment it deserves. Only he has sung Psalm 88 to its dreadful depths. What a saviour we have. Oh Lord, God of my salvation. What extraordinary love and faithfulness to his people. This is Christ's darkness. But even with all I've said, this is, this is also the church's darkness. The church's darkness. Now in saying that, I'm not going back on, on what I've just said about Jesus. Jesus has fully borne God's wrath for his people. As, as Paul said in Romans, Since therefore we've now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God's. But that does not mean our life is now fully a life of new creation. Yes, the new creation has begun in our hearts, but it's, it's not now a life of health and wealth and freedom from suffering. In fact, as we join Jesus Christ in his life, we also join him mysteriously in his suffering. Listen to Paul again a few chapters later in Romans. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. 
Being a child of God means we suffer with Christ. Or again in Philippians, Paul says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Hear those phrases, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like Christ in his death comes before becoming like him in his resurrection. Psalm 88 was Christ's darkness and it becomes the church's darkness because it was Christ's darkness. We don't sing it like he did, but we do still enter into it because we enter into Christ's sufferings. This means as we join Christ, life can be a lot like it was for him and the Ezraites. This is particularly true of Christians facing intense persecution in Christ's name. Abandoned by friends, feeling the weight of God's hand as death looms over them, even feeling abandoned by God. Thankfully, I've never faced you know, the barrel of a gun for my faith. I've never faced the darkness of a labor camp. But many have. They've suffered the terrors of life. They felt as if God's wrath was sweeping over them. They've felt surrounded, hemmed in, no escape. But it's also there in other areas of our life, isn't it? Perhaps as we move towards death in illness, we experience the problems and griefs of life. Perhaps as sin and death sweeps through our homes and families, leaving ruins in its wake. Psalm 88 is one that countless Christians over 2,000 years have sung, sung in Christ's name, but sung all the same. Marvin Tate, an American professor, puts it helpfully. He says, this is a landscape which some have never known and perhaps never will. For others, however, its, its bleak features are well known because of journeys there. Some will know of it only as passing tourists, but others are long-time sojourners in it and know it well, too well. It's for those who know this landscape, it's for them that the words, my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to shale, they become real words on their own lips. This is the church's darkness. And to finish, I just want to draw out Uh, three things for us firstly we sing this together we sing this together if this is your experience right now you do not sing it alone firstly as you sing you sing with your saviour and king Jesus Christ you sing knowing he has sung it in a way you never will it means even though you might feel like you're abandoned God has not fully abandoned you. He hasn't completely hidden his face never to be seen again. Why? Because Jesus has sung this psalm before you. But you also sing with others. Your your experience in a a comforting way is is not unique. There's a a comfort in solidarity, in sharing griefs, in finding people who've walked this path before you and can walk alongside you. But we also sing together, and if, if you've never experienced this, then, then sing it. Start to enter into the world that others are in. May this psalm make us 
better at being friends to people. Not dismissing their feelings, but, but knowing this is real for them. We sing this together. Secondly, we, we may sing this for a long time. As we've said already, this psalm ends with darkness. There is no relief at the end of it. God remains silent and the pain continues. We don't know for how long Heman had been praying this psalm and for how long he would continue to do so. Your life, my life, may enter into a darkness like this and it may remain dark for a long time. It may remain unanswered. It, it, it may not get better in this life. It might, but it might not. And, and we don't know why. But what this psalm shows us is that what we do in the midst of it, we cling on to the God of our salvation. We lament our, our pain. We, we, we lay it out before God. We bring it to Him. We call on Him. We're honest with Him. You know, and, and your pain is, is not because of how much faith you have. You know, faith doesn't generate a good life for you like, a, like an energy surge powering the good life. No, faith is trust in God. It's, it's clinging on to Jesus Christ our Savior, knowing we're in His hands, knowing He is God and we are not, even when everything seems to be falling apart. We lament our pain before Him and we keep praying. In the midst of it, we keep praying because we know who God is. He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. He's the God who makes promises and keeps them. He's the God who, who sent His Son and His Spirit to bring new life. He's the, the God of creation and the God of new creation. We keep singing, even, even if it's for a long time. We sing together. We might sing for a long time. But lastly, we sing knowing it's not forever. Even as our prayers remain unanswered, we cling on because we know it's not forever. Christ sang this for us. Jesus Christ sang it so that one day this song might end and we might take up a new song. There's tiny hints in the psalm. Verse 13, in the morning my prayer comes to you. As we've seen in other psalms, that the morning is the new day. The day after the darkness is a phrase that, that might point to the answer God gives. Because the answer he gives is Jesus Christ's resurrection. If you just think of all those questions that are in verses 10 to 12. How does God solve them? Even as Heman would die, God solves it through resurrection. God will work wonders for the living because they will rise with Christ again. The departed will rise to praise God. His steadfast love and faithfulness, His wonders and righteousness, they will be declared. They're declared in the land of the living, in the new creation, when all is put right. The light of the world has come. As John puts it, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And what Jesus Christ has started, he will finish. A new day will dawn. A day of light. A day of rest for our souls. 
But until then, until then, as we search for God in life's darkness, we lament our pain and we keep praying. Amen. Let's just have a moment of quiet just to come before our Father in Christ's name.